0: I believe at our uh, locations today, we're almost right around 30 people being baptized uh, this weekend and throughout the week, and we celebrate all those baptisms, every single one of them. Uh, I just think it's such a big deal. Uh, We also want to welcome, I think the number they gave me was 348 people online. Uh, Welcome all those joining us online this morning in our two services. We are glad you guys are with us. And uh, this was the second week in a row we have had a group from Kuwait Uh, an entire group of individuals that's serving our country that tuned in this morning. Last week, I gave them a shout out and they said the whole room went crazy uh, just being recognized. Uh, But the fact that even in the room last weekend, today, that you applauded, that you honored. uh, So thankful for all those who serve our country. Uh, Appreciate all that they do. I want to talk to you in our time together. Uh, We're starting a new series called This Is Us. And we're going to talk about marriages and family and exes and parenting. In the next couple of weeks going to be crazy. Uh, no, it's going to be awesome. Uh, and we're excited about the series, just preparing for it and, and planning and praying uh, for the, the upcoming series. So much of, of what we do day-to-day our everyday life just involves those moving pieces and parts that we call family and friends and Uh, I think the next few weeks is going to be really beneficial. We've called it This Is Us. Today, we're going to specifically uh, zone in on what to do in dark times in your life, what to do in dark places of your life. Everyone say, This Is Us. As we talk about relationships and a specific focus on This Is Us uh, and how you deal with darkness in your life, how you deal with darkness in your life, I'm reminded of the joke of the elderly man who visits uh, the doctor for his annual checkup and they run all kinds of tests. And uh, Mr. Smith uh, is up in age, but, but when the results come back, the doctor tells him, Mr. Smith, you are in fantastic shape. Uh, like we've looked at all the tests and, and they look great. Like what, what, is, what is the key? What, you know, what's, what's, what's happening? And Mr. Smith responds to them, "You know, I, I don't drink, I don't smoke, Uh, He said, really, I I live a good life and I I think the good Lord looks out for me. He said that the good Lord looks out for me to such a degree that even when I get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, uh, he'll turn the light on for me. And the doctor is actually shocked a little bit at some of the responses he's getting from Mr. Smith. And so he goes out into the waiting room and the doctor finds Mrs. Smith and begins to tell Mrs. Smith about some of these responses that Mr. Smith has, has given and Mrs. Smith tells the doctor, you know, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I'm glad that he's doing so well. Uh, It does explain, it does explain who's been peeing in the fridge. Um, Thank God for the light and the darkness. That's not funny. That's not funny. Uh, Everyone say Darkness. Those of you that know me, and, and some people disagree with this, but uh, I, love, I love wing nights, I love taco nights, and so when, when I reference that, you know, Tuesday night is wing night at this particular bar, or, you know, this is taco night at, at this restaurant or this saloon, I, I've had some people that have told me, Pastor Micah, we don't even like that you eat at Applebee's. I really have. I've had several people that tell me, you know, they serve alcohol there, and we, we don't like that, that you eat at Applebee's or Outback. or, A lot of those people no longer attend our church. Um, that's not even funny. That, that, that was the one serious part of the story. Uh, you guys are all laughing like, my heart is hurting, folks. Uh, I'm just kidding. But one of these eating stories uh, is that I was at the Iron Pony Saloon not long ago, And Monday night is taco night. They do hard tacos, soft tacos. They're a dollar. They're amazing. Tuesday night is wing night. If you ever need like all the information on these places, just like reach out. I will hook you up. Um, So like, what kind of pastor is this? Uh, But I was at the Iron Pony Saloon. I hate to say his name and embarrass Chris Drake, but uh, I'm at the Iron Pony Saloon eating with Chris Drake. Chris helps run our, our freedom nights. And we are there, we're eating lunch, and Chris begins to tell me, he said, I have lived so much of my life in places like this, and I, you know, I know some of his story, and so I'm tracking with him. I'm nodding as, as, he's, as he's telling me the story, and Chris continues uh, to, to tell me, do you notice how dim lit, how dark it is in here, and I, I, nod, I nod my head, and Chris says, do you know Why? And I start thinking to myself of a variety of reasons, one of which is, you know, they have this burger they call like the garbage burger or something like that. They just, whatever's left in the kitchen, they just like dump on it or whatever. uh, And and that's on your plate. And so that's the first answer that comes out of my mouth. You know, they don't want you to see what you're eating. Like, here's your fork, start digging. Uh, You know, I don't know. And that's the wrong answer. It's not the answer he's looking for. He begins to give me this elongated explanation of why it's dim lit for the sake of giving everyone an opportunity to be loved. That in settings like that, the darker it is, it just gives everyone a chance that you're going to find someone that thinks that you're good looking or someone that thinks that you're hot. And I get laughing, I'm sitting in the booth and I get laughing at Chris trying to explain uh, this, you know, dating scenario that happens in darkness. And so I'm, I'm asking him, like, is that how you and Stephanie met? That's his wife. Is that how you and Stephanie met? You know, once she got you under a fluorescent, did she freak out? I mean, I, I'm asking him all these types of questions and, and we're laughing back and forth. But he sends me a picture the other day and he tells me, this is me in the light. This is me in a dim lit room. I want you to see the picture. That is funny. I am all by myself when he sends the picture. I am laughing so hard, ladies and gentlemen. Channing Drake, Channing Drake. Thank God for the dark. Uh, not really. I don't want to talk to you in our time together today about dark rooms when it comes to eating garbage burgers or tacos or or even the dim lit dating scenario. I want to talk to you about darkness when it comes to being in a dark season of your life. Maybe you feel like you go through darkness even spiritually. I believe God's word today can help you. I really do. Because we all have dark moments. We all have dark times. And for some, it could look like a doctor's report. For someone else, it could look like a divorce or a broken relationship. Maybe the dark uh, times in your life is just timing that you lose visibility. I wanna talk to you about some of those things today and how you deal with darkness, a lot of times will determine the direction of your life. It's not the decisions you make in the daytime. A lot of times it's the decisions you make in the dark. I wanna read to you from Acts chapter number 16. It says in verse number 22, the whole crowd turned against Paul and Silas. These are two preachers. These are two men of God. The whole crowd turns against them They tear the clothes off of both men and they order that they be beaten with rods. They're severely beaten. They're thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure, notice that, that they didn't escape. Around midnight, I love when the Bible gives us these details. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, suddenly there is an earthquake The prison is shaken to its foundations. All the doors fly open. The chains of every prisoner, not just Paul and Silas, every prisoner, they fall off. The jailer. So we're going to talk about the jailer's family today. The jailer wakes up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumes. Everyone say assumes. He assumes the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul, I love this part of the story, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, ran to the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved along with everyone in your household. They shared the word of the Lord with them. All who lived in the household, last verse, and even at that hour, Even at that hour, dark, middle of the night, even at that hour, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. What a story! Immediately baptized. As we talk today about this jailer and his family, for the sake of context, I want to create just a little bit of what's going on, and that is that we have Paul and Silas, these two men who have been severely beaten and thrown into jail or prison, and they begin to pray or to praise. I'm thankful when I read this story, thankful for all of the times that I've not had to go through dark seasons in my life alone, but I've had someone like Silas in my life before. It's what I would call like a prayer partner or a praise partner. If you've ever had someone that went through a dark time with you, where maybe life was beating you up in a way, and you had someone that prayed with you, someone that praised with you, someone that you know stayed connected, stayed encouraging you, I'm thankful for those type of people that we don't always have to go through dark times alone, uh, but that God will, will put people into our paths and into our lives that will become that friend, that will become that person. That is a praise or prayer partner with us. If you've ever gone through a tough time, and someone walked into that hospital room to see you, or they showed up, you know, on your front porch and was like, "I'm not uh, going to leave you alone. I'm here for you." If, if you ever got that phone call or that text message, how many of you today are thankful for the Silas's, for that someone in your life that you didn't have to go through the dark times alone, that they were with you? I'm drawn to the fact that they don't, they don't just like. Wallow uh, or or like fuel each other with frustration, that that it's not back and forth like I can't believe how bad we've been beaten. I'm glad that they actually decide to pray together because you don't you don't just want someone in your life to be negative or to be critical. You want someone to pray and praise. You want someone to be positive in your life. And Paul and Silas began to praise. Now What's very intriguing to me is that the Bible's going to tell us they're severely beaten. That rods were used, that clothes were stripped off of them. So I, I think it's fair to say even later on in the story when it says they cared for their wounds, I don't know if there's gashes, I don't know if it's blood, I'm not sure what the wounds mean in its entirety, but I think we could call it painful praise It's definitely not perfect situation, perfect scenario kind of praise. It's painful praise. And if we're not careful, we can create something in life where we're only going to say thank you to God. We're only going to pray or praise. We're only going to lift a hand or applaud when everything is perfect in our life. The last thing we would want is to raise a generation that only knows how to give perfect situation kind of praise like are you up for going to church do you feel like going today do you feel like telling God thank you like if these guys are asked if they feel like it chances are they're not praising probably to lift an arm probably to clap a hand it probably doesn't feel good I don't don't know that it's even wise for us in life to create something that always assumes the only response that God's going to be if I understand everything that's going on in my life, if I approve of everything going on in my life. The Bible says in Paul's words, in another passage of Scripture, I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his, we're talking about praise, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You don't want to, those of you that are parents, you you don't want your children to be raised remembering that mom and dad only believed in God when they felt like they were blessed, and when they felt like everything made sense. We want our children to say, you know, one thing I remember about dad, one thing I remember about mom, nothing could stop her, whether we were high or whether we were low, whether we were up or whether we were down. Something about my family is that they just kept going. They just kept loving God. They just kept believing we want to make sure that we are influencing those around us, right? That we don't just believe when everything makes sense, or is coming together, we actually praise, we pray, even when it seems like it's falling apart. Praise partners. Painful praise. When you look at this story, I see the timing of the turnaround. We see that it's around midnight, it's dark. By definition, that means the the partial or total absence of light. For those of you that, that you're not a night owl, Maybe you would say around midnight, you're even tired. It's it's not just the timing. It's not just the timing of visibility. It's it's the timing even of fatigue. Like around midnight, I'm tired. I don't know if I want to pray or praise. I don't don't know if I want to do all this stuff. Like I want to sleep. I want to go to bed. Around midnight, It's what I would call dark dilemmas. Everyone say dark dilemmas. When you and I are in darkness, they say that it affects your body. Just being in darkness, it affects your body. It also, they say, affects your blood flow. One thing that I'm aware of is that that darkness affects your visibility. There are some people that are not even allowed to drive in the dark. They will not let you behind a steering wheel because they don't feel it is in the best interest of everyone else for you to have that much control in the dark. In the dark, we have sounds. When the light's on, you could walk through the hallway of your house, you could take things out to the trash at your house, you could walk down to the end of your driveway, at your house, this building 60,000 square feet, during the daytime and people coming and going and volunteering and serving and staff, you can walk around this building in the light, it's no big deal. But when the lights go out, who's going to the basement? Who's going to the attic? Who wants to walk through the building? And make sure all the doors are closed. There's something about the dark that you start hearing sounds. We've had a dumpster at our house doing some spring cleaning. And not only are we throwing out things into the dumpster, but raccoons and a possum and all kinds of things have like fallen in love with this dumpster. They've like settled in. It's their new house. Nobody wants to go through the garage anymore. Not not Angel and I, not our kids, not the boyfriend, Trey. Uh, he is so scared of the dumpster. There's a raccoon, three, four times the normal size. He's tried to fight Trey a few times. And Trey, like, it's out the front door. He needs lights on. My daughter who dates Trey has to walk him to his car. Uh, <laughs> because in the dark, it can really get weird it's the sounds. It's even the shadows. In the dark, everything starts seeming like it's bigger. Right? You don't even know what's going on in the dark. I'm, I'm always intrigued by even myself. You know, I, I like to hunt. I like to be in the woods. I like to fish. And the property I hunt is a place where they've seen bobcats. And, you know, I, I, there's numerous coyotes. I've seen as many as four or five running around by, by where I climb a tree. And when I come out of there, I'll walk about a mile and it's so dark in there. And when I'm walking out, I'm talking to myself, like, hey, Micah, like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, cause sometimes your heart gets racing and stuff. And you're like, I can't wait to get close enough to my truck, like no bobcat getting me. Uh, it's the dark, it's, you know, walking in in the light Walking in in the light with a couple of arrows, and you know, people always tell me like, you really should carry a gun in there. Like, why do you keep scaring yourself? I don't know. It's just the thrill of it, I guess. Not quite sure why. I am not know what I'm doing. Uh, pray for me. Um, but the dark is different. The dark is different. It's, it's not only it's not only the visibility, because it's tough to see in the dark. You know, you, you could start squinting. You're, you're like, you know, it, it could be as simple as walking through your house at night. If you don't turn a light on, if you're like, you know what, I'm just, I, I, I'm feeling courageous and I'm, I'm going for it. I'm not wasting electricity. And you start walking through your house, watch, whether it's your bedroom, whether it's your hallway, you're like this here, you like got your foot out, like, you know, you're not hitting my knee. It's tough to see in the dark. But today as we're talking, I'm not just talking about hallway or your bedroom, talking about coming out of the woods. What do you do when it's a dark season of your life? What do you do when the visibility and and it's tough to see? I recently read a study of people that were, were looking at the scientific or the medical aspect of your body when it comes to darkness. And they had people that agreed to go into caves or caverns for multiple months and I believe the one person was there just shy of five months but for multiple months they went into caves and caverns and what was the results that came back from these people going into these dark spaces or places for a long time there's a lot that came back from relationships conversations things that they would have with rodents and stuff they would name them that loneliness set in depression set in But what what caught my attention when I was reading it, what caught my attention was that when people came out of the caves, nobody knew the time. Nobody, so one person alone was two months off when it came to the calendar. They were two months off from what they thought it was. They, They thought it was two months removed from that time. Darkness has a way of messing with your mind. So you could be in a dark season of life and you don't even know what time it is. You're thinking like, by this time, I thought I would be married. Or by this time, I thought my spouse wouldn't be dealing. Or I thought by this time, my child. or I I thought by this time, God would. You know, when you're in the dark, you start second guessing. Like, has God forgotten about me? Does God care? You know, do I even matter? Like, what's going on? You know, Job in the Bible got in a dark place and he started saying, I can't see him on my right. I can't see him on my left. I looked in front. I looked in back. I I don't know what's going on. Darkness affects your visibility. Darkness affects your timing. And the Bible is telling us here that this guy, this jailer is in a dark dilemma. Now, here's what I want you to notice that I want this to help you. Is in this dark dilemma... The Bible says supposing or assuming. Supposing is what the King James Version would say. It would use the word supposing. Supposing all of these prisoners, these inmates to have escaped, we read the word assuming, which by definition means something that is accepted without proof. His reaction is, that he reaches for a sword. So here's the response. He reaches for a sword. Why? Because he's assuming. He's presuming. When you look at the dangers of assumptions, just this week I met with a very educated counselor and began to ask him questions, multiple degrees and numerous employees, and I I sat in my office and I talked with him, asking him questions about assumptions. And it is mind-blowing when it comes to how dangerous assumptions can be. Because assumptions don't typically ask. They tell. They're going to tell you worst-case scenario. Assumptions can lead to dangerous actions. He assumes And so he reaches for the sword. Assumptions can be very costly. Here's a study that was published. And I believe it could help all of us. It says this, and and I quote, 85% of what people worry about never happen. 85% of what people worry about never happens. With the 15% that does happen, 79% of those subjects discovered that either they could handle the difficulty better than they expected or that the difficulty taught them a lesson that was worth learning. That means that 97% of what was worried about was nothing more than our fearful mind putting exaggerations and misperceptions into our thought patterns. 97 percent. Assuming he reached for the sword. Here's the reality today. Darkness isn't going away. I wish I could promise you you're never going to get a phone call again that catches you off guard. I wish I could tell you today that you're never going to have a relational strain or there's never going to be dysfunction or drama or division in your home. I wish I could tell you that every argument has ceased and every misunderstanding is gone. No one's going to post. No one's going to say anything. There's not going to be anything racial or political or religious that's, you know, going to make you upset. I wish I could tell you that darkness is going to disappear from your life, but that's not true. Darkness will continue to try to overtake you, to beat you down. Life will have ongoing, fill in the blank, opportunities. Life will have ongoing, fill in the blank, opportunities. Where you can fill in the blank with what you assume or think or worry or analyze, or assess. So today, tomorrow, next week, next month, you'll have opportunities to fill in the blank. Is he cheating? Is she cheating? Is my child lying? Are they with wrong relationships? Are, are, are they going to be safe on the road? Am, am I going to get the same sickness as uncle and aunt and grandparent and, you know, is... Is my company closing? Am I getting laid off? Am I, we have the opportunity to fill in the blank with all of these anxieties and all of these stresses and all of these worries. And every day, here comes the fill in the blank again. And we will begin to write, is it fear or is it faith? I, I, am I going to quit or am I going to stay committed? Am I, And you and I, will have the opportunity to fill in the blank with what it's going to look like. Assumptions create fearful futures. I want you to apply that to your own life. Assumptions create fearful futures. When you and I start assuming everything, assumptions are usually going to create worst case scenarios. I just knew it would happen to me. I've never got a break in my life. If something's bad, it happens to me. And assumptions begin to create worst case scenarios. So what is the assumption happening for this jailer? Most would teach that if an inmate escaped on a jailer's watch, that the jailer would assume the remaining penalty. So Jewish teachings would teach if an entire jail or prison, would escape in totality, then the jailer and his family would have to be put to death. That is what they would teach. And so you begin to connect those dots and think, I I understand, Micah, why he would reach for the sword. If you're a parent, if you have a family, it's one thing when you do something that affects you, something totally different when you do something that you feel like It affects your family. I mean, I can see why he would reach for the sword and say, I I can't deal with this. I can't, you know, the dark dilemma begins to create dark doubt for this guy. Dark doubt. He starts thinking about the repercussions. He starts thinking about the consequences. He starts thinking, I can't believe I've done this to my children. I can't believe that I've done this to my family. It takes them almost to a dark side. We would call it rock bottom. How how does a jailer reach for a sword? Dark doubt. When you get into that dark place in your life where it begins to mess with your mind and your visibility and your timing... And, and you are in that dark doubt moment wondering, you know, if my spouse found out, if my kids found out, you know, when word gets out, when, when I hear that everyone escaped from the jail and they began to, to get wind of this or word of this, my family, I am done. I think dark doubt is setting in with this guy. Chuck Swindoll says this, life is 10% what happens to you and it's 90% how you react to it in this part of the passage of the scripture he reaches for the sword this this is a scary part because a lot of times in life you'll start stretching for this thing i'm going to quit my job i'm going to quit my marriage i'm going to Quit, you know, my purpose in life. I'm, I'm going to quit. I, and you stretch for the sword. And some are more serious swords than others. Some people want to take their life like this guy. They're like, I'm done with this, Mike. I'm not, I'm not doing this no more. I've met other people who have walked out of great opportunity. They got reactionary and they've quit and, and they've slammed doors and they've given resignations. And, and everyone reaches for swords in different ways. But in this dark doubt moment... The Bible says while he's stretching for a sword that Paul, this preacher, sees him and he shouts. He elevates his voice. He shouts, Stop! That's it. Stop! It might be my favorite part of the story because I start thinking of all of the times in my life that people have said, stop. I don't know if I want to keep doing it. Stop. I don't know if I have the strength to keep going. Stop. And then I start thinking in my years of pastoring, how many people that I've told. Stop. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Stop. I'm going to quit, stop. When you begin to think about how powerful this one word, one shout out was from this preacher, from Paul to this guy, he's got a sword, he's like, I am so done. How many times has God's love and God's grace showed up in your life and in my life? And whether he sent someone, or a song, or a sermon, or just his love, his spirit slipped into a room, and you were so at the bottom, so ready to walk out and be, and God was like, stop, I know you're in now, but I'm in what's next. You're thinking of taking your life a couple of hours from now when the sun comes up, I'm actually going to baptize you, baptize your family. You'll be dripping with water. I'm going to turn your situation around. Stop. I know you don't see it. I know visibility. I know you're thinking about consequence, but stop. I'm not done with your life yet. Are you thankful today for all of the times that God has stopped you? Come on, he stopped you from doing some crazy things, and you're here today. You're still in the game. You're still going because he didn't let you follow through with some things that would they would have been so irrational. They would have been so damaging and devastating. But he stopped you. When I look at the outcome of this story and I see the stopping of the sword, it starts with a lantern or a light. Paul says, stop. Stop with the sword. And then they call for a light, a lantern. The family turns around. They're baptized. The Bible says all, all, not just the guy, his whole family. They're saved. And it starts with calling for a light. The Bible calls Jesus the light of the world. Maybe today, right now, you've been reaching for the sword. You've been assuming. But we want to stop assuming and we want to start asking. I need a light. I need hope. I need grace. I need mercy. I need truth today, Micah. I need the light to show up in my life. I don't want to give up on something that God hasn't given up on. Maybe today you've been ready to reach for the sword and give up on yourself, but God, I believe God still has more for you. It's not the plan for this jailer to do himself in. Actually, it is the plan and purpose of God for this entire family to have a turnaround. Maybe that's you today. When I see this jailer going from wanting to take his life to really asking, how do I save my life? How incredible is it that when he calls it a day at the beginning of the story of the Scripture, he's part of incarcerating guys who are beaten, guys who have clothes stripped off of them, and the tale of two days. When this day ends, when the sun goes down this day, he's on one side. But when the sun comes up the next day, his whole family is turned around. What's the difference? What could change two days like that? The difference is how he handled the dark. What if your life, your marriage, your family, your parenting, your spirituality, what, what if it was contingent upon how you are handling The darkness in your life. Maybe you need to pray in the dark, like Paul and Silas. Maybe your challenge today is that you want to praise in the dark. You need to stop looking for like perfect moments when I feel like it. Maybe, like the jailer, the lesson for you today is you need to stop assuming and presuming and worrying and reaching for the sword. Maybe that's your takeaway. Maybe it's that you need to call for the light. That you've been trying to deal with the darkness yourself. Like, where, like where, where is it at? I mean, you can do that. Like, I'm strong. I got it, Micah. I'm good. I'm the man. Like, you can try to figure it out. Like, where are we at here? Like, or you could in this prayer time right now, just say, this would be a whole lot better if someone would turn the lights on. And the light of the world, Jesus Christ, could come into your heart, into your life, into your situation, and the light could change everything. If you came in today or you're part of the hundreds that joined online, and you in any way have a sword that you have picked up saying, I'm done. And whatever that fill-in-the-blank opportunity is, I'm done with life, done with God, the, the timing, the visibility, the maybe you're thinking you've done too much and, and like this guy, the consequences, the repercussions, if people only knew, if they knew where I went, what I'd done in my past and five years ago, and, and, and you have either logged on or you're in this room and you've got a sword, I am asking you as your pastor today, I believe on behalf of God, I'm asking you, stop, stop. I know in the moment the sword seems like the solution because you are thinking it's too far gone. But I believe what God would tell that jailer and what he would tell you, it's not too far gone for God. Not too far gone for God. What we need is for the light the light, as you close your eyes today and give me the opportunity to pray with you. I don't know at what point in the message and the story that you're like, whoa, that's me, that's me, Micah. I assume too much. My assumptions create worst case scenario. I fill in the blank with the fear every time. I don't know if you're listening to this message and you're thinking, I could really use some light right now. People in my row, they would have no idea the the darkness that's trying to beat me down and take me down. And I really need the light of God today. But if you're in this 1045 service in the room or online and you would say, Pastor Mike, I would like you to pray for me today online. There's a way that you can converse with us and communicate in the room. I'm asking if you would just slip a hand up and say, Pastor Micah, would you pray with me today? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe your darkness is a doctor's report. Maybe it is family issues. Maybe it's something on your job. But I believe that God knows how to find the dark place of your life and he can help you. And it can be all ages. I've met young people that were in dark places, but I've also met older people that were in dark places. I've met people that were out of work that were in a dark place. I've met millionaires that were in a dark place. The lyrics of this song says, I'm not going to let the darkness beat me down. It's one of the lines. I'm not going to let the darkness beat me down. I would love if you would put your hand on your heart right now just all over the room, all of us. And I want to pray as your pastor that the darkness won't beat you down. God, I just pray Because I know it's inevitable. I I know that we're going to have seasons. I know we're going to have ups and downs. I know darkness tries to come in. But I pray today for these people that the darkness won't beat them down. The darkness won't cause them to stretch for the sword. I pray for their peace today. I pray for their strength today. I pray for their confidence today. I, I pray for the light today. I scan this room. These are amazing people. And I see everything from marriages 20, 30, 40 years. I see single parents. I see teenagers. God, I pray today that the light of God, the light of God would shine in these rows, these hearts. I pray online today for that person that's saying, I, I wasn't even sure I even want to log on. I, not only am I not there, I didn't even know that I want to log on. I pray the light of God would find them today. Come on, light. John 1 says the light can shine in the darkness. That's what I pray for today. I pray for the light of God to shine in the darkness today. You see right now. Hear my prayer today. I know you see right now. God sees what's next. Jailer, you're in today. It's around midnight. You see today. God already sees tomorrow. We're in Sunday, God's already in Monday. He's already in next week. He's already in next month. Trust Him today. Just don't trust what you can see. Trust Him. What I don't see, I'm going to trust Him. And I pray for a spirit of confidence and peace just to sweep over this room. Touch every single person today. Don't let the darkness, the darkness beat them down. And I pray these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.